0: Welcome, Greg Emmerman, to the Balanced Beautiful Abundance Show.
1: Well, it's great to be on. I won't repeat that because that <laughs> was a mouthful, but, but it is fun to be here with you, my long time. Jeez, how long has it been since we've known each other? A long time friend.
0: 94, 95, like 25 years easily.
1: That's cool. That's what it's, hey, that's important when you can keep in touch with people and have, even though of course you part ways and do different things, but when you can maintain relationships like that, that really says a lot about both people, right? Because obviously if if you don't have that relationship, something went wrong, so that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you on here. You're my first sales mentor. I wanna tell my audience about you because you have a very incredible background. So Greg spent most of his career in sales, sales management, and sales training. He built, trained, and managed sales organizations of tens of thousands of people with revenue exceeding $100 million. He then took his career in a new direction when he left network marketing to focus on training. His trainings have helped companies, people, significantly increase their revenue productivity and success and as of april of 2020 just a few months ago greg helped launch a new industry called alternative incentive marketing it's called the feel great company and the feel great company provides high quality products that help people feel great at home in health body mind finances and life So I'm very excited to get into this, Greg. And this is a question I always wanted to ask you even 25 years ago. So I'm excited to ask you now. So what made you leave being a social worker? Because I know you started off as a social worker and you decided to switch into the network marketing industry in your 20s. I know you love helping people. You have a psychology degree. What made you shift gears like that in your 20s?
1: Well, first of all, sitting here listening to all those kind words uh, is, is appreciated, first of all. But, you know, a little for me, hearing all that is like, you know, always a little, uh, I don't know, not not necessarily awkward, but uh, makes me blush a little bit because I'm not a, a kind of like none of that stuff matters. And it's kind of why I became a social worker. You know, I love helping people and love making a difference in people's lives. And that's what matters first. And I've been fortunate uh, to be able to make money helping people, which is cool. But but that's kind of what led uh, to the change. There were two things. One is i always loved, of course, I coached kids coming up. I was a camp counselor and did all that kind of stuff. And when I was a social worker, I had this big vision of this huge difference I was going to make. And the reality is what I found is that I was making a big difference, but in, in in a very small amount of people's lives. And I wanted to do something way bigger. I wanted it to be you know, a lot more impactful. And then the second thing is, uh, you probably know this, Rebecca, being a social worker is not a very high paying career. Mm-hmm. So uh, I kind of always make the joke is I was helping the less fortunate and rapidly becoming one. <laughs> so, you know, I said, man, there, there, there has to be a better way that I can impact people's lives and yet still earn more money. to to be able to live a good quality of life for myself. And this is what I I, I thought of. And and anybody could think this, right? There's three ways to make money. You can make money hurting people. Some people do that. Some people produce things that hurt people or have a service that hurts people. Um, Some people make money doing nothing for people. It, It doesn't necessarily hurt them, but it doesn't really help them. And then you can make money helping people and making a difference to people's lives. So when I saw the network marketing industry, I didn't know about the network marketing industry. I didn't understand it, what it meant. I sat in a room. I listened to a presentation. And the thing that intrigued me the most is in order to really be successful, you have to help other people become successful. So to me, I was like, this is it. Because I love helping people. I've got to help others succeed. In other words, I don't. I'm not I'm not... I'm not making money stepping on people. I'm helping people. I'm, I'm making money lifting people up. I'm helping people and therefore I'm helping myself. So that that's the short answer to how it all came about. I just needed a change and, uh, you know, God led me to a great place to find that change.
0: And you started out of your mom's basement selling water filtration, right? That's where it all started?
1: Well, It's a little bit more than that, but I ended up having to go that route because, uh, and that's one of the greatest lessons I learned. I didn't even realize that I was doing it, which was being persistent uh, and being consistent. You know, I would tell anybody, Rebecca, those are the keys. The key is if you want to be successful at anything, you have to be extremely persistent and extremely consistent. You know, everybody's heard of Starbucks today. You know, you go into a Starbucks, grab a cup of coffee, sit down, hang out with people. Well, not so much right now with what's going on with yeah. COVID, but you know what I mean. And the reality is Starbucks was around for a long time and nobody knew about it. It was because they were persistent in what they believed in and they were consistent in what they believed in. Mm-hmm. And when you do those things, you get results. So when I started out, um, I was just doing what everyone else was doing and I kind of got... uh Led astray by some people in the industry Mm -hmm. and it forced me to have to work in my mom's basement, but I didn't care. I wanted to make it happen and I was persistent and consistent and that led me out of there and onto uh, a lot of good fortune.
0: So I'm sure you've gone through a lot of rejection in your sales career. I know a lot of it is a numbers game. And I apologize for my dog barking in the background. But this is real. This is like COVID time. Everyone's at home. It's not a studio. So how did you deal with the rejection and just keep going?
1: Well, first of all, like, you ain't gonna die. I mean, so, so, like, people, people make things so much bigger or so much worse or so much more of an issue than it is. You know, it, it's, it's life. I mean, if you played sports, you couldn't survive in sports if you didn't understand that you weren't going to hit every shot or score every goal or, or land every punch or whatever it is you did in your sport. So I kind of use baseball as one of my favorite analogies. It's like, In baseball, you know you're going to get out most of the time. I mean, that's just a fact. As a matter of fact, if you get up into the batter's box and you fail seven out of ten times, you're going to make $10 million a year. You're going to be in the Hall of Fame. So, But when you look at it, as a baseball player, when you ground out or fly out or strike out or whatever it is, they you don't cry. They don't go back to the dugout, oh, I can't believe I got out. No, you learn from the experience. What can I do better? How can I be better? So rejection is also a way to grow. It's a way to learn. It's a way to improve. If you, if every single time uh, you, you achieved everything you were striving for, well, first of all, there would be no opportunity. I right. mean, there would be no opportunity for anybody because everything would always be successful. Nobody would play sports because they would score every time. Nobody would play golf because everyone would get a hole in one every time. So life's, that's not life. The, The reality is when you have rejection, that's what creates competition. It may not always be with someone else. It may be within yourself, but it's what drives you to go do. And then secondly, you can learn from it. You can get better from it. You can grow from it. But at the end of the day, the biggest thing is it's just not that big a deal. And you have to be able to, life is so life's challenging and life has trials and tribulations life's hard but it's simple and the simplicity of it is to stop yourself and just have common sense I know I know common sense isn't always very common I don't know why they call it common sense because it's not very common but common sense common sense says okay if I walk up to this person and ask them to dance because I feel I'm, I'm, I'm attracted to them and I want to go have a dance What's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen? They could say no. More than likely, right? Probably nothing else. I mean, I guess they could throw their drink in your face. I mean, it's possible. It's just highly unlikely, right? So when you go ask for something, what's the worst they could say? No. That's one of my favorite things to teach people, Rebecca, is ask, ask, ask. It doesn't say in the Bible, tell, and ye shall receive. It says, ask, and ye shall receive. I tell my my son all the time, he is truly the master asker. He asks, he asks, he asks, because I've taught him that his whole life. You know what I tell him when he's when we say no? Hey, you took a shot. See, right. you just got to take shots, Rebecca. So at the end of the day, rejection is just whatever you put in your head that it is. But the last thing I'll say about is just remember, any no just means not now. That's yeah. all it means is not now. And if you look at the words not now, the word no is in both of
0: <laughs> I love, I love that.
1: So remember, it just means not now. The, the 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 guy up at bat got out. What does that mean? Not now. You lost your 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 ball hitting a golf ball. It just means not now. Put another one down, right? So I went up and tried to ask somebody to dance. I said no. What does that mean? Not now. It doesn't mean I'm never going to get a dance. <laughs> so
0: right. I just love mean, you. I'm- I love that you brought up kids because I think kids are the best salespeople because they will just keep asking, and ask, and ask and ask. You'll think that they forgot about it a week later, they'll ask again and they just ask and ask and ask until they get what they want.
1: Yep, exactly. But here's the key. As a parent, and a lot of parents don't even realize this, is that but you have to because you're gonna have to say no, right? You can't even what you said for the majority of time is true, but lots of things you're not going to be able to say yes to, right? So all of a sudden, you know, I want a horse. (laughs) Well, yeah, you're not going to keep asking and probably getting that anytime soon. (laughs) But what you don't want to do is make people fearful of asking. You don't want to make somebody be, be literally like insecure about asking or lose confidence over asking. So that's why I always teach my kids, you took a shot. So because I don't want them to stop asking, because that's a big thing. You know, as kids, when you're told no so much, eventually you just stop asking because you believe in advance it's going to be no. And that's why a lot of people are afraid of rejection. A lot of people don't ask because they were trained not to ask at a young age. No, 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 tens of thousands of times. So I always tell my kids, you took a shot. Always keep taking shots.
0: I love that. So what does it take to be successful in sales like is it a certain personality can anybody learn what are the qualities of a successful salesperson i know we talked about not fearing rejection but what other qualities are there
1: well it may not be specifically just asking but asking the right things you you Mm -hmm. gotta be a great asker the best salespeople don't talk that much they're they're great listeners because it's really simple First of all, you gotta, you gotta like interacting with people, right? I always love people to say, I just don't like people. Yeah, sales ain't for you. So <laughs> I mean, so that find a different career. But but the reality of it is these two principles have held true for the longest time. One is find a need and fill it. Second is if you help someone get what they want, you'll get what you want, right? So I always tell people, okay, so how do I do that? You ask. So, so many salespeople, when you go into a car dealership, first thing they want to tell you is, oh, Rebecca, you look great in this car. Let me let me take you for a ride. Just call up. You're just guessing, guessing, guessing. You know? It's like, why would you do that? How about if I ask you what you're looking for? What do you like? What are you interested? In? What's important to you? And just listen. Because nobody can sell better than the person who's buying. Nobody. I think that
0: one, write that down. Nobody can sell better than the person who's buying. That is a Greg Amorism. I love it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's true, right? Who can sell better than the person buying? So listening is the key. And the second part is it's all about relationships, you know, especially in this day and age. Let me tell you one of the most things that I tell people in this day and age, in this crazy time we live in, where there's so much just unrest in general and it seems like it's okay to be mean to somebody or bully somebody or whatever the case might be. Man, be authentic. Mm -hmm. You got to be authentic because people are today, everybody looks with a kind of that eye like, okay, what's the catch? You know, is this person telling me the truth? When When there's so many people quick to lie or quick to like authentic, Like, you can't be fake. You got to be real, real, real. And I think that's big, too. Keep it real. And people love that. So when you're when you're keep it real, keep it simple. And most importantly, just listen, listen, give people what they want and you'll get what you want.
0: I love that. I mean, I think being real and vulnerable is it's going to help you in any business. And now what we're doing here on Zoom, this is what primetime news is doing. Like I feel it's a really equal playing field right now. And it's all about being authentic and real and vulnerable. So thank you. I love that. So what made you decide to leave the direct sales industry and start a training company?
1: Well, you know, I never knew what I was good at. So that's why I kind of floundered. Yes, I was a social worker and I loved it, but I kind of floundered around in terms of what was my real passion other than knowing my passion was always about I wanted to help people. But I didn't know how to do that. Like, what was the best way to do that? So for me, it was a matter of really, really, Finding what I was good at and what I realized is when I was in network marketing, which you had to get up in front of the room, you had to do a lot of presentations, you had to support your people and you had to help them. So how can you do that? Well, first of all, make it fun, make it enjoyable, make people laugh, because when you make people laugh, if you're also, you know, providing great content, you're making them think so and that's what people will remember. We all know when we went to school for as long as we did go to school, if it was a really, really boring class and, you know, you'd be sitting there in the teacher, you're looking at the clock over the desk, looking like it's going backwards, right? You're like, oh, my gosh, can this just end? But whenever you you do something that you like and it's fun and you enjoy it, the time goes fast. So I just found like that's what I was good at, being creative, being innovative, you uh, being animated. Make people laugh. And when you did that, people were attracted to that. And then that's how I was able to build sales organizations. So um, I got to the point in my career where I said, you know, I'm going to take a break from actually being involved in the network marketing industry. And I'm just going to focus on training people in general. And, and I got um, quite a few clients, big network marketing companies that would I uh, had me to come in and, 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 and work with them and, and work with their companies. And I even worked with some companies that I ended up, you know, I did a lot of training for, and I ended up building e- even uh, businesses again. So, but at, at some point um I even transitioned again from there, but, but I got into training because I just realized this is what I'm supposed to do. You know, I just found my way and, and, uh, and it's just what I'm good at. There's lots of things I'm not good at. I'm good at this.
0: <laughs> so you're really good at sales and you're really good at humor in a way. You're a stand up comic. Were you always funny growing up as a kid, or did you like find your humor as you were doing these presentations for your sales organization?
1: I don't know that I was funny as a kid, but what I was as a kid, my mom would probably appreciate this. She would probably say that I was, uh this would probably be a nice way of saying it, uh adventurous. <laughs> so I was certainly not the best student in the world. You know, I was more of a C D student. And because I would daydream and have a lot of thoughts in my head and whatnot, so I don't know if, if somebody would say, Oh, Greg was the funniest kid growing up, but I think I think as I what I what I realized about myself is I'm good at analogies. I'm good at storytelling. I'm good at uh, make, shedding light on things and turning it into something funny, right? Because you can't. That's something I can control. Lots of things I can't control, but I can control my own narrative. I can control how I want to see things and how I want to reposition it so that other people can understand it. And I just believe when you use humor, it makes people listen better. Because people want more, you know. It, like humor is like drinking something you really enjoy; you want to keep doing it. So,
0: yeah, I like know. what you said about changing your narrative because I think that's the best way to train people in sales. Is people think I'm not a salesperson? I'm not a closer. I'm not as outgoing. They probably thought I'm not as funny as you. I'm not as good in front of the room, so I can't do it. So, how would you change somebody's narrative that thinks that? They might not have your skill set that you do, Greg, at being great in front of the room. How could you empower them to feel like they could be good at sales?
1: Well, first of all, I, I, again, this goes just back to being authentic. Yeah, I don't try to. Like, I really te- you got to find what, what you want to do. If it, it, rather than convince you of why I think you could do sales, well, do you want to do sales?
0: Well, if somebody it, wants to learn but doesn't think they have the right personality, well, if they
1: want to learn. Now, yeah. if they want to learn. That's different. Like if somebody says, oh, I want to be a salesperson, that's their goal. Well, that's different. Yeah. Well, what you have to realize is that every excuse or when you look at it, and this is in my book that I I wrote, by the way, things that make you go, hmm. (laughs) So in my book. Is that on Amazon? Huh?
0: Is that on Amazon?
1: It's on Amazon. Hang on a sec. On Amazon, I just jumped out so I could get it. There,
0: nice, it. love it.
1: Amazon bestseller, number one bestseller, love it. But, uh, what, it, what it, it, it talks about reasons like if you look at most people, they make a lot of excuses, right? So, right from the get go, they just come out, Well, I'm not that kind of person, that's an excuse. So I I wrote, this whole chapter is called Excuses or Just Reasons in Disguise. Mm -hmm. So meaning you can take anything you say, I'm I'm not outgoing. Okay, do you want to be outgoing? (laughs) So first and foremost, okay, but do you like not being outgoing? So how can we turn you feeling you're not outgoing into something that is a reason to do it? Right. If that's what you want instead of an excuse, because what's an excuse is a stop sign. And we got, we got to get rid of that stop sign so we can have a green light and you could go. Right. right we are our own worst limitation. And so people come into things, putting up all these stop signs for themselves and they don't They're realize. Like
0: griefs. They're like limiting beliefs that people have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so the key is how do you overcome that? And the way you do that is taking that excuse, taking that uh, thing that you have and turning it around into a way it becomes your strength or a way it becomes something that you're striving for instead of running away from. It's like one of the things in, in my new venture, uh, The Feel Great Company, we talk about this, is most people, you've heard this, everybody's heard this, run for your life, right? It's like... <laughs> People, because they're scared of a lot of different things. People are living fear. And what I say is, no, don't run for your life. Run for your feel-great life. Meaning, instead of run away, run towards. Right. Run towards what you're trying to get to. Run towards your success. Because your time is limited. And if you keep running away before you know it, you didn't accomplish very much because you ran away from everything great that could have happened to you.
0: I love that. Running toward your goals and dreams, except instead of running away from your limiting beliefs. That's really what you're saying.
1: Yeah, I mean, people, they have these things that were programmed in their heads and they don't even know why they listen to it. Right. Run for your life. OK, that saying is in people's heads. They don't even really think about it, but it's in their heads. Run for your life. That just means run away from everything that that hurts, period. Well, some things that hurts make you better. You know, when you go to the gym and you work out, it hurts. It's making you better. Right. When you run five miles and you're sucking wind because you're out of shape, it hurts, but it's making you better. Somebody tells you or gives you constructive criticism. It hurts, but it's making you better. So people run a lot of times. They, they lump everything together. Is anything that hurts, I'm going to run away. And some things you should run away from, right? If somebody's wielding a knife at you, that would hurt. You should (laughs) run away. Right. That's common sense, though. But you can't run away from something that's going to hurt so good that hurts to the point it makes you better.
0: It's like you have to be willing to give up what you have to get what you want. And people want to have, like, a really big life and health and you know, this abundant lifestyle, but they're, they're not willing to give up what they have, whether it's their job or their fear, or their limiting belief, and they just have to be willing to, to go for it.
1: Well, you definitely have to be willing to go for it, but it's not necessarily that you, you have to give up what you want. You just have to invest it. So an, 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 I'll give an example. Let's say you're striving for a particular goal that needs more of your time and you're an avid golfer. Right. You don't have to give up golf, but you may have to invest three months worth of not playing golf. Because when you look at it as an investment, it's an investment is hopefully something you're gonna get back. Plus, plus plus. Right. If you give up something, it's like you're losing it. And yeah, I don't I
0: think I, I love that.
1: I don't think you have to lose something to get something. I think you just have to understand you have to invest to get something.
0: And that's one of the things you taught me in my 20s was short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. That's a huge word,
1: I changed that word, though. I changed (laughs) that word from sacrifice to invest because sacrifice, when you think of sacrifice, and and I used to say sacrifice, but I changed in my years of just growing myself because sacrifices usually think of a sacrifice on the altar. You know, you think (laughs) sacrifice, you think of, yeah, that's diminished. That's gone. You sacrificed it. But it's not true. You don't have to sacrifice. You have to invest.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, it's different because you're not. Yeah. It's not gone forever. You know, <laughs> you're investing. So, I love that. That's where I made that shift.
0: So I'm curious. Do you still receive residuals from any of the MLM distributorships that you built?
1: Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's it is. Cool but i, I recently I, I will say yes for for a period of time i did however as being often, uh, again uh authentic um one of the reasons why we decided to start our own company and create our own industry and nothing against mlm nothing against network marketing because of course we we've, we've been very fortunate we've done really well uh have lived incredible Quality of life, travel the world, um, and so forth. And, and it's been great. But after 30 years and, and a lot of, and this is the case with everybody. Of course, there's, there's always, uh, exceptions to all of this, but a lot of the people that I've worked with in the industry have not been the kinds of people, or I've come to find out that they're not very good people. Mm. Uh, they don't honor their word. The ethics aren't there. Um, and, and it got to the point where, man, you would go out and build a company, even a companies potentially that do, you know, 50, 60, $80 million a year that you contribute to that. You contribute to that in a significant way, in many ways, in ideas and in innovation and in training in actual going out and, and participating and helping the company to grow. And then, you know, they pulled the rug out from underneath you. So that's so the reality of it is that's what created the shift into starting a new industry, alternative incentive marketing and starting a venture, the feel great company that could be a great home for people. It was different, uh, but it was for people that maybe didn't want to do MLM anymore. So for me, I have nothing against MLM. I love the industry, but I don't want to do it. And so yeah. I just created something different.
0: So how does, uh, what is it called? How does the feel great company's business model differ from network marketing? What did you call it? Alternative Alternative incentive marketing. marketing. What does
1: that mean? What is different? Well, it's an alternative. It's an alternative. If you think about it, for the longest time, there was only taxi cabs and there was only car services, period. And then somebody came up with the idea and the innovativeness to say, hey, wait a second. With the advent of technology, whatever, let's create Uber and Lyft. So it's still the car business, but they just took it and made something different. Are there still taxi cabs? Sure, there are. Are there still car services? Sure, there are. But now there's this whole other entity that was created. And especially when you think about the gig economy, you know, the gig economy is a big thing. People are looking for multiple gigs. People are looking for freedom, flexibility. People are looking for control. And so that's what alternative incentive marketing is. Alternative incentive marketing is... Taking away all the hurdles. All here. Here's the reality. If you want to go out and be successful, it's going to take you going out and doing everything it takes to be successful. As a company, we don't want to force you to purchase. We don't want to have you to jump through hoops and titles and qualifications. We don't want to do any of that. We say, Hey, we're giving you a game. Here's the game. It's a marathon and we call run for your field grade life. And here's what we say. Run your race at your pace. There's no, it's free to sign up. Hey, it's free to sign up. You don't, we don't need you to buy in. We don't need you to do that. It's free. Sign up. You don't want to do anything. Of course, you're not going to get any results, but that's up to you. Run your race at your pace. So free to sign up. No forced purchasing. You know why you're buying the product? Because you want it. Right. And you not be, not to pile not because oh it's attached to my check and I need to get that product so that I can keep getting paid. But then you end up stacking it up in your cabinet. Why? Because maybe you're not using it fast enough. Maybe you know you take multiple products and you can't use them. So what we say is buy what you want to use. We don't have end of the month. You know what I love about that? I don't have to call a bunch of people at the end of the month. Go, what's your business doing? How's your volume? You know what what. I don't have to do that because there is no end of the month. There's no titles. Is there still recognition? Is there still competition? Is there still uh, acknowledgement? Yes, but it's none of those other things. And what's great about that? There's no pressure. There's no pressure. So if I go out and sign up a hundred people, they didn't pay anything. If they did buy something, it's because they wanted to. This way, there's no pressure on me. I don't have to do a three way call because for what Uh, there's nothing to close (laughs) there's no objections like that's the beauty of
0: have objections to buying your product like how
1: really i mean they have questions yeah they may have questions but but yeah but i but a three-way call is not necessary for that they can go on the website they can read all the information they can watch a short video um, they can send an email to the company and, and customer service and get their answer. So, and here's the difference. That doesn't mean I, I mind talking to somebody in the three-way call. What I'm saying is when I go into it, it's positive. In right. other words, I'm not having to, you know, rearrange like what I used to call psychological warfare. It's, it's like it. when you go into a three-way call in an MLM situation, for the most part, I got to rearrange your thinking and persuade you saying it nicely, into why you should do this. I don't want to do that. <laughs> that, that. That's not fun. That's not, that's okay, let me ask you a question to find out what your motives are. It's like, I don't want to do that. Like, here's the deal. This is a great opportunity. What's your end game? Here's what I tell people. This, this is sitting right at my desk. You'll appreciate this. This, this is an hourglass. <laughs> it's all over my house. You know what? Because it constantly reminds me of how much time you have left. The reality of it is, we all have a certain amount of sands running right. at all times, and and it's not endless. You yeah. know, it, I always tell people if you knew for a fact that you were going to live for five thousand years, well, you could be lazy for a couple of hundred. No big. Deal. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I ain't, but you don't. You got sands running through it, right? You don't know how long you have. It could be today. None yeah. of us know. Yeah. Well, the reality of it is. You gotta enjoy. You gotta go for it, all the things we're talking about. But the thing is, I don't want to do things I don't want to do. I want to get this. Is what's great about our company? It focuses on what is going to get you to your feel great life. And this is the other key thing, Rebecca. Most people, they focus all on the short game, paying bills, pay bills, pay bills, pay bills, or I'm going to make a lot of money. I got to make a lot of money. I got to make a lot of money. How much? How fast? How much? How fast? And nobody ever focuses on the most important thing. Like when you think of financial freedom, they focus on that the words are, are in the wrong place. It's not financial freedom; it's freedom financial. See, the reality of it is the most valuable thing is freedom. Yeah. Freedom. So the question is, how do you, it doesn't matter how much money you make. Somebody could tell me, "Oh, I do this job or that job or this career. I make four hundred thousand a year. I make three hundred a year." You know what I say to them? How much do you make when you don't work? Yeah. That's all that matters to me. It doesn't matter to me how much money you make. It matters to me how much money you make when you don't work, because when you don't work it's when you're actually living.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, so for me, what the Feel Great Company is all about passive, effortless income. The focus is on passive, effortless income. And here's as simple as it is. Think about it. We all use products and services. Everybody wants to feel great. Who doesn't want to feel great? Everybody wants to feel great. So imagine this. You go into Target. Imagine this, Rebecca. You go to Target. And they say, Rebecca, this aisle right here, aisle six, is your aisle. We are going to invent the products. We're going to make sure of the highest quality products. We're going to stock the shelves. And every time somebody in this aisle buys something, and if they buy it again and again and again, you'll get credit for it. You will get paid money for that. And you'll also accumulate what we call steps, which will equal miles, which will increase to significant amounts of Bonus money that you'll get. But the beauty of it is, all you gotta do is send people to the aisle. Yeah. You don't have to Stock the shelves, invent the products. You don't have to do any of that. Why? Because we want you to live your feel great life. So when you, when that's what it's all about, it's different. It's new. It's a way, it, it's a way. So many people are like I am and like uh, some the, the people that are involved with the feel great company is they're like, they just don't wanna do that old stuff. And this gives it a much simpler, more fun, less pressure way of earning a passive, effortless income with great products. You see behind me, right? One yeah, of our see it.
0: <laughs> it's hard to mess. <laughs> I could not
1: see it. Feel Great H2O, we say, what's in your water? So, uh, feel great H2O. Because, oh, it is that good. It tastes great, and's great for you.
0: So that's that. I love that, H2O. And I can't wait to get my box in the mail. <laughs>
1: <Of> <laughs> so
0: tell us, tell us about your training on November 14th.
1: Yep, communication transformation. So it's real simple. Everything is about communication. Everything. Okay? Your identity is how you communicate. You know how your car looks that communicates your tone of voice communicates, um, you know, how you dress communicates everything you do, your facial expression communicates everything communicates. But so that's one thing. The second thing is, and this is hard for people to, to and you understand why people don't do this it makes sense. For the most part, everybody sees things from their own perspective. That's it. Why wouldn't they? This is my view. This is how I see it. Everybody should see it this way. But it's not true. It's not the way it operates. It's not the way life is. There's all different perspectives. So we came up with something. Remember, edutainment, which is educating people, making it fun, entertaining, that's how we came up with that. So we came up with a way to identify personality types. Now I'll say this, I didn't invent personality assessments. This has been around forever. And then you have people that use colors, you have people that use letters, you have people that use specific words. And I'm not saying that's bad, but what I did create back in the late nineties, like 99, I believe it was, I created some simple, simple way for people to remember personalities because there's only four personalities.
0: Yeah, let's hear about them, just generally. I think my listeners will really get excited
1: about this. The simplicity of it. And we use winter, spring, summer, fall. We use the seasons. There's only four of them, first of all, because when you use colors, there's a lot of colors. You could say, well, orange is this, or well, that's blue. Well, why those colors? Or animals. There's more than one animal that fit a particular personality type. Or letters, why type A? Why can't it be type Z? But winter, spring, summer, fall, there's only four of them. There's no guessing. And those, those seasons actually fit personalities. So you think about a winter, for instance. A winter is aggressive. It's assertive. It's driven. That's some of the strengths. Goal-oriented. Uh, money-motivated. Those could be some good things. What are some of the weaknesses of a winter? Cold. Harsh. Di- overly direct. Insensitive. So you have winter. It fits that cold and harsh, right? You think of it that way. Then you go to spring. What is spring? Spring is pleasant. It's warm. It's nice. So when you think of spring, these are your team-oriented individuals, your mission and purpose and people that care and want to make a difference. And they're, those are their strengths. Thank, I always tell people, thank God for springs because there would be a lot more dead people if it wasn't for them. You know, <laughs> They bring peace and harmony so you need that. Um, but the weaknesses of a spring, you know, they tend to be slow to, to initiate. They they avoid conflict, even when necessary. I'm not saying anybody should be seeking conflict like a winter. They seek conflict. But at the same time, you shouldn't avoid it if it's if it's necessary. Um, if, if you need to uh, deal with a situation, you shouldn't harbor it eternally. And a lot of springs do that. Then you have summers. Summers are your fun people. Your outgoing dynamic. So think about summer. What is the best season for fun? Summer. You go to the beach, you go on vacation, kids out of school. Uh, it's a great time. So these are your high energy, very social, outgoing, dynamic individuals. They're, they're awesome to talk with. They walk with a bounce in their step. They got a big old smile, all of that. Uh, what are their weaknesses? Scattered, unorganized, late, late, of course. Uh, (laughs) just, just all the things. That you would think of when when I, I, I my wife's a summer, so I we always joke around. But like a summer starts a lot of the sentences with "Where's my, where's my phone? Where's my keys? Where's my purse?" You know. You also know a summer for sure when they leave the house two or three times because they forgot something. They got to leave, come back, leave, come back. Um, summers are fun though for sure. And then you have your falls. Your falls are your very process oriented, analytical, uh, very methodical. Want the facts, want the figures, want the details, want the structure, and all of that's great and and falls when you think of the season of fall, what do you think you think of it as a process? you think of it as brown and you know it, it, it's it's the it, out of all the seasons it's it's the one that has the systematic process to it um, but what it is your similar, brother yes, my brother, <laughs> former attorney for sure. And, and, and what are the weaknesses of a fall? Well, overanalyze things, uh, to a fault. Very slow to move to action because they, they want to cross every T and dot every I. And sometimes that's good, but sometimes it also slows you down a lot. Uh, they tend to be unemotional. They can be, appear unapproachable. And those things can make somebody else's perception view them as, oh, they're standoffish or aloof or stuck up when it may not be true. They're just not emotional people. So what's great about this program is, first of all, you get to find out who you are. I mean, we have this incredible workbook. We go through a one day program. It's from 10 a.m. Eastern till 630 p.m. Eastern. Um, it's awesome. You get to find out who you are. You get to learn your strengths. You get to learn your weaknesses. You get to learn how you can make yourself better. But more importantly, you can learn how to interact with everyone else. I mean, this first of all, everybody should have. This. You shouldn't even be allowed to graduate from high school without this class, because think about it. You, people get married and they don't even know who they're married to. Like they literally don't even know. And they'll say things like, I don't understand you. Or you'll say, you don't understand me. Well, let me tell you something. That's a problem. Yeah. Anytime you don't understand who you're with or you feel like they don't understand you, that's going to lead to, or a even
0: worse, problem. they understand you and they try to change you.
1: Well, yeah, that'll never work. <laughs> that, that's never good, right? You, you, you don't, you don't get into a marriage or you don't get into a relationship thinking you're going to change somebody. You have to respect and understand who they are. And sure. People can always. And by the way, that's in this book. It talks about men and women. There's a section in here that clearly talks to that. Hey, men, this is obvious things about women. Hey, women, this is obvious things about men, because back to what everything communicates. So you got to understand personality types. That's essential. But also you do have to know the difference, the differences between men and women. It's just it's just, everybody needs it, Rebecca. I mean, it, it's life changing. It's what's enabled me to have the kind of relationships I've had for as long as I've had. Um, you mentioned a lot. Of, you talked a lot about sales. Salespeople got to have this. This way, you know, your client, you know, your customer, you know, exactly what it is uh, or how to best communicate with them on their level and through their eyes and through their perspective. So this is the, the the greatest program to me. That's why we call it communication transformation, because it gives you the chance to transform your relationships, uh, your livelihood, and of course your life. It, it's awesome.
0: So we have a really exciting announcement. We talked before the podcast and I asked if you could do anything special for the Balanced Beautiful Abundant Show listeners and tell them what you're
1: offering. So you can come to this program. Um, one of the things you, you want to do is, uh, you want to go to fg.feelgreatcompany.com, fg.feelgreatcompany.com. And then you want to go where it'll say events. And you'll, once you click on events and you'll see, Trainings will pop up, advanced trainings, and you'll see communication transformation. But right,
0: there. the listeners, you don't have to join the Feel Great Company. Oh, you no. don't have to be a part of it. He's opening it up to you guys, so you guys can jump in this training and just get all this information for communication, personality type, sales, relationships, and you don't even have to be a part of the Feel Great. Oh no, it
1: has nothing. Yeah, exactly right. It's generic. This program has nothing to do with the products. It has nothing to do with what we talked about earlier. No, it's it's generic. It's for anybody from any company, whether it's corporate, whether it's network marketing, whether it's just uh, we have couples that come that just want to better their relationship. Yeah, it's completely generic. And you just go there and that's that website that they're going to is just a customer page it has, they're not going to see anything about a business or anything like that. It's just a customer page um, that they can register for there.
0: So we will make sure to include the link to that registration page in the show notes. Thank you so much, Greg. I have learned so much from you. So many of the things that have enabled me to make a six figure income working part time, which is the title of my book and to value time over money and everything else because like you said time is our most valuable asset money you can make it you can lose it you can make it again but time you don't know how much you have and you'll never get it back once you spend it so that was a great thing that i learned at such a young age and it informed my lifestyle so thank you so much for all your teachings all your mentorship and support i loved having you as a guest I'm going to be at that training, brushing up on the four personality types. So I'm looking forward to it. And how can people keep in touch with you, Greg?
1: Well, they can simply uh, email support at feelgreatcompany.com. Support at feelgreatcompany.com. But also they could go on our uh, Facebook. When they go to that website, fg.feelgreatcompany.com, At the bottom of that page is all of our links to Facebook and so forth.
0: Okay, so we'll have all those links in the show. So thanks again for being a great guest, Greg. And if you're listening to this show, I'm sure you found it valuable. We don't have sponsors. This is a strictly word of mouth uh, show. So if you loved it as much as I did, please share this on your social. You can take a screenshot. You can tag me on Instagram share it with your people, share it with your friends. And thank you again for supporting our show, The Balanced, Beautiful and Abundant Show. And I will see you guys next week with another incredible guest. Thanks for listening, everyone. Who says you can't have it all? I'm proof that you can. You just have to put your life into balance. Too much of anything, money, fitness, socializing can overtake your life. When all seven aspects of your life work in harmony, you will achieve the balanced, beautiful, and abundant life you've always dreamed of. Please subscribe to hear more inspiring interviews. Is there someone you know who could benefit from this podcast? Please share this podcast with them. Please review this podcast. Your feedback will help me target your needs and plan for upcoming shows that answer your questions and feature guest speakers that can make a big difference in your life. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rebecca E. Whitman. Feel free to DM me to book a free balance assessment call. And don't forget, stay balanced, beautiful, and abundant.